Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to today's episode of Musings with Jesus. My name is Shola. I'm your host. Thank you for joining me. Um, so today I'm just, I'm still, we're still in Matthew 5. Yesterday I talked a little bit about Matthew 5 and the beatitudes, Jesus' sermon on the mount. And I just want to stay some time here. I, I mean, I'm coming back here because this is where I think my heart wants to be. And, um, you know, I, I keep on saying, and by the way, if this is your first time here, welcome on board. This is Musings with Jesus, where we just sort of like talk about God. I talk about my experience with the Lord, faith, life, and love, what God is showing me. Two years ago, God led me to just sort of like find my way back to him, go back to the scriptures and begin to read the, the, the Bible as though I had never read it before. And what it did was it set me on a journey of beginning to see God for who he is and what he is, not what I want him to be or how I want life to be. But it just made me, you know, come out of my own situation, my own space and enter into the perspective of God, um, of things from God's perspective. And I think that's what I like about the Bible more than anything, because apart from the fact that it is the greatest escape for me, I, I kid you not, whenever I am like, I really feel down or something, you know, once I just play audio Bible, have it streaming on the internet, and they, you know, the, it's such a fantastic story, <laughs> you know, and I'm, I get caught up, particularly if it's one of those really, you know, like um, visual stories, like maybe Daniel or Samuel or Kings, or even Psalms, or even the Gospels, really. The Gospels are actually, actually very visual, because particularly um, Jesus' sermons, he uses a lot of imagery, so you just get lost. If you're really listening, you get lost, and all of a sudden, I just find out that I'm distracted from whatever it is that is going on with me and my spirit lifts. Of course, the book of um, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 tells us that the word of God is alive and it is powerful. So what I've come to realize is that when, you know, the, the word of God is being read out, either I'm reading it out or someone else, I'm listening to an audio um, recording of it, the power, the spirit in the word of God actually is released into my atmosphere and something happens in the spirit. I am one of those people that you don't even, I'm so convinced in in the fact that there is so much more about this life that we do not know. And I think it's tragic that we, science has led us to a place where we only believe what we see because a lot of evidence suggests that there is so much more to this life. I mean, there are funny things like how you can just be thinking about someone and the person just calls you almost immediately. That happens to you, me all the time. Or cases that we hear of, of people who their loved ones, when their loved ones pass away, they get the feeling as if something happens to them. They're living continents away. They know. In fact, sometimes they, they wake up at the specific time and then later they find out that at that time when they woke up very troubled, they something. I mean, their loved one had passed away. There is so much that happens. I mean, I can't even begin to tell you. I recently, I went through surgery and I had a surgery and the doctor said to me when I woke up, I was put under general anesthesia. I was asleep for about two hours. He said to me that when they finished with the surgery and they sewed me up, that I started smiling and I was under anesthesia. So he was, he, he, he told me, he said, you know, Mrs. Abulu, there's no, I mean, you're, you're, you're fine. That you were, it was almost like he was saying you were with us the whole time. You know, you know what I'm saying? So there are things that we cannot explain. But the Lord gives us evidence so that we know that there is a world and a realm 
that is different from that which we see. The fact that we do not see it does not mean it does not exist. Animals understand this very well as well. So why you, that's why you find sometimes animals barking, you know, people come around you, they just start barking, you know. Uh, many people who have pets, you, 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 you can tell. I mean, pets can sense when somebody is coming with an evil aura, when someone has intentions that may not be good. They just sense things about people, and then they can also sense when somebody is a loving and a kind spirit. So this has, these are things that have nothing to do with physical science. This is purely on another level and in another realm. Anyway, so for me, the Bible is my is my escape. The Bible has the word of God in it and it's the power that keeps me going. Um, it's the word that introduced to me the Lord Jesus Christ as my savior is by that word that I received Christ and it's by that word that I live. So here we are. So today I, I want to get back to Matthew 5 where we look at some of the teachings of Jesus. And um, I always recommend that if you're going to get a Bible, get a red letter Bible because the red letter Bible emphasizes the words of Jesus in red. I think for me, I'm a very visual person. So that really helps me when I'm reading because I'm like, oh, yeah, this came directly from Jesus. So, yeah, pay attention. So anyway, I want to read from verse three of Matthew five. So let me just read and then we have a conversation. And he, and seeing the multitudes, Jesus went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the poor in pure in heart, for they shall see God. When you read, um, so I just realized that I stopped my recording and I don't even know where I stopped. Anyway, so let me just read Matthew 5, 3 to 9, in case I didn't read it. So, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. So I have read verse 3 to 9, Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to stop there. Now, every time I read Jesus' teachings in the Gospels, in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I read the epistles of the apostles, starting from Corinthians, Ephesians, Galatians, Philippians, Hebrew, all the rest of it, Philemon, and all of that, Colossians, Thessalonians. They, most of what they talk about is the spirit and the soul. They are concerned, Jesus in particular is concerned about the condition of your heart, the condition of your soul, the condition of your mind, the condition of your emotions, the, the state of your spirit. Jesus hardly ever, ever talked about food for the body, clothes, for the body or shelter so is it that i mean yes the, the place where i remember that jesus really expressly spoke about that was matthew 6 when he said he talked about you know we should remember that you know god clothes you know um the 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 the, the flowers and the field and things like that and that he knows 
the needs that we have, but that we should seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and then all these other things will be added unto us. He was that was the only place where I recall that Jesus actually talked about our natural needs. Another place was where I think when um he said to the disciples that anybody that has forsaken houses, lands, parents, fathers, mothers, children for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will in this um will receive eternal life, will receive a hundredfold return in this life and in the life to come eternal life. So those are about the two places where I recall him making reverence to material blessings because you are a child of God. And you know, for me, recently my big uh, a big aha moment that I had that I think God led me to was when I realized that what we are doing in modern day charismatic Christianity, which is very focused on material blessings and using the Bible to, in quotes, make it in life. I mean, as in, when I hear pastors say that, I like, I literally cringe now because there is the whole make it in life concept is unscriptural. What the Lord says is, what does it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? As far as God is concerned, if you weigh all the wealth on this earth on a scale, you put it on a scale, the weight of my soul is bigger than that wealth. That's how God thinks. That's God's perspective. That's God's world view. So that whole make it in life has nothing to do with the scripture. I'm, I'm telling you, I mean, please feel free to read it by yourself. But now we hear, we hear people on the pulpit say that, make it in life. Really? Anyways, so that's, that was the first thing that I realized. But then I realized that what has happened. So when, when I started, I'm on a Bible seminary program. When we started reading the Old Testament and I started reading the promises to the children of Israel in Genesis and I started reading the prophets and, you know, Deuteronomy and Judges and Joshua and all of that. And I realized that, oh, what has happened is we have taken elements of the Old Testament and are now trying to post it onto New Testament. Because in the Old Testament, it was all about serve God and be blessed. But I'm sorry, that's not what the New Testament is all about. That, that's Old Testament. In the New Testament, it is come to God, receive the power and the nature of God so that you can have fellowship with him, you can worship with him, serve him in the way that he wants to be served and be like him on this earth. Blessings, material blessings are, is, is what you call, um, how I'll call it unintended consequences, if you know what I mean. It's not the goal at all. It's not the goal at all. In fact, how you know, the signs of the believers that God, that God gave us in Mark 15, 16. There is nowhere there where you see the sign of the believer, he'll be rich. He said, this, and these signs shall follow they that believe. In my name, they shall cast out demons. They shall lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. If they eat any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall cast out demons. It did not say my name, they will be rich. It does not say my name, they will be wealthy. All of what is talking about the spiritual authority. In the new, co the new covenant flips it completely. But today, we've, we, we've elevated, we've brought in a sixth sign of the believer, which is completely unscriptural, and made it material blessing. So everybody is focused right now on making it in life as a Christian, making it in life. And, and then I wonder, I'm like, is it not the same Bible that says, let's, you know, lay not up for yourself treasures on earth? that can be stolen, that thieves can break through and steal, and moth and rust can corrupt. 
every, I mean, time and time again, Jesus taught it. He made everybody realize that it's not about what you own. In fact, Jesus told one rich man who came to meet him, he said, go and sell all you have. The man said, what will I have to do to, to get it eternal life? He said, go and sell all, all what you have. And please remember, see what Jesus said. He said, give it to the poor. He did not say, give it to somebody. He didn't say, bring it to, take it to the synagogue. He said, give it to the poor. In fact, Holy Spirit, thank you for chipping that in because I've never really thought about that before because that's what Jesus said. He said he should give it to the poor. He should, because all of us know, we, we see poor people around us. We, we, we see, I mean, in my country, really, the poor are majority of the population. So I, I don't have to struggle to know if I want to be charitable to the poor. I don't have to look for the poor. They're all around me. So he said, those people that are within your sphere of influence, give your things to them. And then, you know, follow me. And the man couldn't do it. Because he had a lot of possessions, and the possessions had him. They had become an idol in his life. So, I think there's something very dangerous. For, so, I, so what, I mean, for me, I don't see the point of being a Christian if I cannot practice the faith based on the word of God that led me to Christ. Because otherwise, I'm an African, there's no reason why I should be do you understand? I might as well follow something else. The only reason why I am a Christian, following an Abrahamic religion in quotes, which is from Israel and with Hebrew origins, is because I believe that the, the words that came in through this Bible are really the words of the Most High God. So the only so there's no reason for me to be a Christian if I'm not going to practice the word. Or then I'm go, or I, I mean if I'm going to base my carry my culture or what I want to do, then let me leave Christianity and do that thing separately. So the Bible, you see here, Jesus is blessing people. He's talking about people who are mourning, people who are meek, people who are hungering and thirsting after righteousness, people who are merciful, people who are pure in heart, people who are peacemakers, people who are unjustly persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Those are the people that Jesus says are blessed in the new covenant. This is the new covenant blessings. So while in the Old Testament, they had blessed in the field, blessed in the storehouse, blessed in the whatever, your, 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 your vats shall be full with oil, you blessed in the field. In the New Testament, it is all about spiritual blessings. And there's actually a scripture that says that, I think in Colossians 1 verse 13 or 18, that says, God, Christ has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. When Jesus himself came down and he was resurrected before his ascension, he said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. All power is given unto me. Go ye therefore into all the earth, preach the gospel into all the nations, and teach them everything that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you even until the end of the world. That was what Jesus said to them. He didn't say, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go and take all the riches of the, of the world. Go and build temples for me, the biggest buildings. There's nothing, I mean, if the temples in Jerusalem were cast down, in fact, now that I'm reading, I'm reading the Old Testament, I'm just like, what, what have we been doing? Because if the temples in Jerusalem, God allowed them to be brought down and plundered, which temple are you building here in whatever part of the world that you are that will 
that can compete with the temples in Jerusalem. But just, I don't know. There's just, a, anyways. So I've decided that since it seems as if people are mishmashing and doing what's their own brand of Christianity, I will, I'm going back to the Bible. And I'm going to, for everything that I do, for everything that I believe, I will have a sound, theological, scriptural, very obvious. It's not even a revelation because it, it will, anything that I'm basing my Christian faith and practice on will be things that I can show you several scriptures. Anybody can read it and see that this is really what it's saying. So... The Bible says, you know, so I, so practicing Christianity should be more about me wanting to be that meek person, me striving to be that person that hungers and thirsts after righteousness, me learning to be merciful, me becoming pure in heart, making myself a peacemaker and putting myself in that space whereby I live my life in such a way that the devil is brings persecution upon me because my life is given to righteousness. Because the word of God says, they that will live godly on this earth will suffer persecution. So if I'm not suffering persecution for the sake of the gospel, it's clear that I'm not living as a Christian. If I'm not suffering persecution for righteousness sake, not for doing wrongdoing, not for doing things that are wrong, not for being selfish, not for being manipulative, because that one, yeah, that one is, is rightful suffering. But if I'm wrongly being persecuted for speaking the truth, for doing that which is right and pleasing in the sight of God, then I am on the right side of God's plan. So I, I, I see that, I mean, I have been saved for a long time and I have, you know, lived life in faith circles. And for me, I am just shocked at how it's almost like 20, 25 years in, I am just relearning what I should have learned years ago. I, what should have been part of my lifestyle. But because for a good solid 20, 25 years, we were so distracted and all we were just focused on was improving our lives. That's not the Bible standard. It's not the Bible standard. It's not the Bible standard at all. God is concerned about the condition of our hearts. He's concerned about how we relate to other people. When he talks of the merciful, you can't be merciful to yourself. So for someone to be merciful, that means you're showing mercy to others, either through forgiveness, through charitable works, just compassion. He's saying people that are pure in heart. So he's concerned with my heart. He's not concerned about what I do outwardly. And I've seen now, I've come to realize that there are people on this earth. Honestly, there are some people who have, I've honestly, I recently became aware of somebody who had been, pretending literally all this person's life and i mean i'm just I, I i i i'm just like i can't even imagine the psychological state that makes you live a life of subterfuge to people who are close to you i mean that's just completely messed up but there are people that can do that so which is why when god is when when, when jesus said the lord knows I don't know if it was Jesus that said that, said the foundation of the Lord's standard show. No, it wasn't Jesus, it was the apostles. The Lord knows them that are his. It's true. Because if I judge according to outward appearance, there are certain people that, I mean, this particular individual, I was completely wrong about who they were until 
you know, the Lord revealed it and their fruits revealed it. And then I realized that, wow, this, you know, this person, you're not who you say and you go to such great extent to show everybody that you are. So God is not just concerned about outwardly doing good things, but inwardly being a cesspit of malice, of hatred, of manipulation and all that. God is concerned about the purity, the state of our hearts. So I think my reflection more than ever is God is an inside-out God. He wants to repair, restore, clean us up from inside and let that then begin to show up outside. But many of us have become outside-in people. In fact, it's just outside. And this is what Jesus hated. He, he called the Pharisees sepulchers who were painted white, but their inside was rot, was decay, was destruction, was rotten, stinking, smelly bones. That was he, the way he described the Pharisees. So Jesus hates that kind of whitewashed religion where inside you are as evil as can be and then outside you are putting up a facade of holiness and righteousness. God hates that. And I, I can see why because for me, I mean, really, I don't even understand why anyone would want to live that way. But for me, I even like this because this then shows me that God has to change me for me to change. Of course, I also have to mean want to change. But then it means that I can be honest about my, my struggles with God. I can be honest with my learning and my growth process. I can be open with God and say, I'm not there yet, but help me. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't have to pretend. Because if I pretend, God will look into my heart and see that it's not pure anyways. And I would not be accepted. I won't be approved. So therefore, it's a partnership between me and God. And I'm like, okay, so this is how you would want us to be. You say the poor in spirit, you know, the, the pure in heart are those that see, which will, will see God. And we, you know, this is repeated in other parts of scripture where it says, without holiness, no man shall see the, the Lord. So make me pure. I remember Isaiah said to the Lord, woe unto me, I am a man of unclean lips. And the Lord took a hot coal of fire and cleansed his mouth. So there is, I can't be holy without God. I can't be righteous without God. My own righteousness is as a fil as filthy rags before God. All God is looking for is people who will hunger and thirst after righteousness. He's not even saying you should do the works because I can't do the works by myself. I can't be righteous without God. So it's not for me to now start striving to be righteous. All I need to do is to want and desire to be righteous, to hunger and thirst after it, and I will be filled. That is what God says. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, this is lovely. I'm, just, I'm coming out in goosebumps right now. This really makes me feel so good. That's all, that's all I need. That's all I need. That's what God is saying here, because you can't fake it. You can't fake righteousness till you make it. You can't fake holiness till you make it. You can't fake godliness till you make it. You can't. It's not one of those fake it till you make it. There's no imposter syndrome in, 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 in the sphere of God. You either are the real thing or you're not. So let's stop all this playing, you know, acting. And I mean, ain't got time for that, man. I'm not, I'm not doing that anymore. So I'm going to leave it here. And I think I'm going to title this Hunger for Righteousness. I think this is it. This is that. That's really it. Because God, Jesus has promised us here that Anybody that hungers for that righteousness, they will be filled. The Lord will not leave that hunger, those hunger pangs 
It's like it will almost attract all of the light and the power of God from wherever it may be in the universe and bring it to you. But that hunger. So all I have to do is work on the hunger. And I think that that is a doable thing for me. Because again, I'll ask him, I'll be like, God, you know, you can actually pray for the zeal of God to consume you. But then the desire to even want it to consume you has to be there. Because honestly, when I look, and, and this is really profound for me, because I'm like, when I look at the standard that God paints, I can't do it by myself. I can't. How? Do you understand? <laughs> really? So I need God. And that's why I think the New Testament, the New Covenant was is a better covenant than the old one. And which is why we cannot, you know, copy and paste what happened then. That whole blessed in the field thing and bring it here. Because the New Testament believer is supposed to be a world changer. The Old Testament believer was supposed to be a self-changer. That was basically it. They were just supposed to be custodians of the covenant of God to usher in the Messiah. And then the Messiah was to bring in the real deal. We are empowered to change and transform the world around us. It is not about acquiring possessions, passing exams, getting positions, living in high-rise towers, acquiring assets. That's not the business. That's not the spiritual model. It's not. It's not. Anyway, I'm going to leave it at that. And I think I'm going to marinate on this hunger for righteousness. We're going to stay here for a while. Thank you very much for listening. God bless you. Stay lifted and have a wonderful day. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.